Well, hello everyone and welcome to the New Ground Life and Leadership Podcast, here to help you thrive as followers of Jesus. In this episode and in the episodes that follow in the series, we're going to be exploring a range of practical and common issues and putting them to experts and experienced practitioners in leadership and thinkers about leadership to help us navigate a range of common and everyday experiences faced by those of us in Christian leadership, wherever that may be. Now, the plan is to release one of these leadership shorts episodes each month. And for the next few months, I'm going to be releasing edited highlights of conversations that I had with Simon Elliott. Simon leads the team at Everyday Church in London, is a friend of new ground and known to many of us. There are also slightly longer versions of our conversations in video format made available by the amazing team from Everyday Church. Links to those videos are in the episode notes, but they're also going to be viewable on the new ground YouTube channel. So do check them out for more wisdom and insight from Simon. Now, first off, Simon and I started by talking about leadership more broadly and the gift of leadership. We're living at a time where leaders and leadership are under greater levels of scrutiny, which brings with it a mixture of good and bad outcomes, let's be honest. Good on the one hand, you know, we're, we're better able to spot and stop bullying or abuses of power or actually abuse more generally within church and organizations, which is all good. But it also brings with it a degree of bad outcomes. You know, the majority of pastors aren't baddies, but simply Christians. Christians who've said yes to Jesus' call to try to help shepherd his people, who now, as a result of the culture surrounding leadership, are finding it harder and harder to lead in. Increasingly, we're finding it difficult to find people willing to step up and take on responsibility in positions of leadership in church because, well, I mean, who wants to lend a hand when you might get shot at, right? And people are forever criticizing you. And so to first of all, we talked about leadership and the answer to the question of is leadership still needed was an emphatic yes. It's a gift in the Bible. Leadership is very important. However, the second aspect to this is to reconsider how we think about leadership and the type of leaders we're looking for. And this is some of the things that Simon had to say. Do we need leadership? Do we need leaders who all operate in the same way and in the same style? Is there only one type of leader? And should the church just adopt the most popular leadership style from the world in any given season? The answer to that is probably no. Mm. But we need to get back to team. And those of us who are leading teams need to remember what I would say are the two golden principles of leadership, especially within the church, and that's worship and service. So if, if, you're, if you say to me, what is leadership in the church? Well, firstly, it's worship. It, leadership is a gift. Some people have it, some people don't. That's just the reality. Uh, and it's the same as any other gift. It is a, is a gift. Um, you know, my family are all singers. Now they've worked on their voices, but, but it's a gift. Both my children from very early on could sing the right notes at the right time and could sing harmonies and things like this. And no one taught them at three, four, five, six, seven how to do that. That was a, a gift. They work on that gift and they use it for worship. Similarly, I do think leadership is a gift. And people have that gift in varying degrees and you can work on that, but it is a gift. And if that's a gift, to lead well is an act of worship. I want to lead well, yes, so that people are blessed, but ultimately 
because God has given me something and I want to do my very best with what he has given me for his glory, to, to make people look at God, to look at, look at, at Jesus, look at the Holy Spirit. And so it's worship. And then it doesn't matter whether I'm leading something that someone might think is significant or insignificant. It's not about platform then. It's not about am I share, opening the Bible for my life group or am I opening the Bible for a thousand people at a conference. It doesn't matter because it's not about the platform. I want to do it really well in both settings because I'm trying to glorify God in my gift. And then alongside that, it's about service. It's about serving the people who you have been entrusted to lead. It's about going last. I, I will say to leaders, Christian leaders, well, as a Christian leader, you, you die at least twice. You die as a Christian, you die to self. And then if you pick up leadership, you die again. Because you're, you're not there so that people can look at you and go, oh, wow. You're there to serve, you're there to equip, you're there to encourage, you're there to empower, you're there to release, you're there to, to, to help them be the best them they can be mm. and, and raise their profile, not raise your profile. And if you, if you recognise team, if you recognise that as a leader of a team it's about worship and service, and if you recognise organisations need leading, those boundaries will help you and possibly stop us getting to some of the places we've got historically. Mm. So the golden principles of leadership is remembering that leadership is serving others as an expression of our worship. That's really helpful. But leading is a privilege, isn't it? I mean, it's not just a service. I mean, you, you get known. You get to make decisions. You have influence and power. So how do we then guard against leadership becoming toxic? And that's when Simon spoke about the importance of creating a culture of authenticity within a team. And you then get into the whole issue of what culture are you creating as a, mm. a leader? Because yes, you're right, Jess, leaders often feel lonely. Uh, but I've, and I've felt lonely in leadership at times. I don't now, and I think possibly because I've worked hard on creating a culture of authenticity. Now, that's a very trendy word. We want everybody to be authentic, as long as your authenticity doesn't offend me. But, <laughs> and, but you can create a culture in any organisation, but especially in a church, where you can demystify that, where you can say it's not about a platform. Where, and you, can, you do that from the platform. You do that, I think, by being honest by being appropriately vulnerable on the platform, by reminding people that you are just like them. Mm. I mean, Paul is so helpful in many ways, but when he articulates the church as a body with Christ as the head, that is incredibly helpful. And you have to, I think, in leadership, keep reminding the church that that is the case, that actually the person on the platform is not the head of the church. The person on the platform is a finger or a hand or a hair or an ear, is part of the body. And if, if that platform leadership, if we focus on, if platform leadership is done well, the body thrives. But equally, if the person welcoming on the door does their job well, the, the church thrives. Mm. And in fact, more people leave a church because someone's impolite, on, at, or impolite towards them on the door or, or join a church because they're welcomed on the door well than because of the first sermon they hear in the church. Mm. And I think you, what you can do is recognise the privilege. Gosh, this is a privilege. Not build on that so that it becomes an entitlement. 
Yeah, oh, I should have a nice seat. I should have more money than anybody else. I should have a parking space. I should, people should listen to me. You have to guard yourself against entitlement and you have to create a culture that says, is it important? Yes. Is it more important than what our kids team are doing, what our prayer team are doing, what our life group leaders are doing, what our logistics team are doing? No, it is the, it is the same. It is, they are all as important. Mm. And you do that very practically by calling out people and naming them. So if you're the one on the platform, you make sure you are regularly sharing that platform. It's not always you. Um, and also from the platform, pointing out all the time. So I would try and regularly thank and honour other ministries, other roles within the organisation, within the church, publicly, and make other people do that. Let's stand up our tech team right now and let's applaud them. They've done a great job today. Hopefully not in a patronising way, but in a way and you do that regularly so you're kind of undercutting that hierarchy that so quickly develops. Does that mm. help? And now let's come on to talk about healthy accountability within teams and organisations. Simon's advice is to ensure that you have, all of us have, people who feel empowered to speak the truth to us, no matter how painful it is. Make yourself accountable, he says. And what I try and do, and what I encourage people to do, is create a team around you of people who you have given permission to say anything pretty much at any time. And encourage everybody in your organisation to have those sorts of people. So you're not creating this free-for-all of anybody can say anything to anyone, mm. but you are creating a culture where everybody has someone who can say anything to them. Mm. And if you do that as a team, and if the organisation, the church, see that operating in a team, they relax. And they think, OK, I... I, I think Simon is responding well to that. I don't have any to say it because I know that person. I know David's saying it or James is saying it or Dave's saying it, you know, whoever, whoever it is. And I think that helps you. And letting the church know that you have that. Does that, does that help? Is that, so you create team not just to lead the church well, but to help you lead yourself well. And sometimes you have to give permission. So sometimes as a leader, and I think historically in our organisations, there's been a high level of honour for leadership, which has meant people haven't said. And so if you are the leader, you are the one who has to give permission. You have to say, Jez, if you ever see this in me, I want you to tell me. Really helpful and important advice there for creating healthy cultures of accountability within our churches. Now, I then went on to ask him actually about owning mistakes. How do we as individuals and as leaders own our mistakes well? And actually, you'd have to check out the video for his full answer to that, which includes a confession of a mistake that he's made recently. But off the back of that, we talked about self-awareness and that self-awareness is something that all of us have to learn. We're not born self-aware. We're born, Simon says, selfish. Nevertheless, it's incredibly important for leaders to learn what it's like to be on the other side of them. And here's how he suggests we all do that. As a leader, you must choose to learn, and you do that in numbers of ways. Um, the easiest way is to say to people, how am I doing? I, I always seem to react like this. Why, why is that? And to get, get feedback. I mean, I had... Um, my early 30s, I had a bit of a breakdown. I had some counselling. 
I never understood why anybody went to counselling before. I just thought, pull yourself together. I was a classic. Got a problem? Pull yourself together. Jesus loves you. Time. God is good. <laughs> just pray a bit harder, smile a bit broader, lift your hands a bit higher. I apologise to all the people who I treated like that before the age of 30. Um, I then went to a counsellor. This is amazing. Here's somebody who knows me, who asks me really good questions like, why do you do that? Um, and so relationships, healthy relationships, will help you in your self-awareness. People, again, who's in the last uh, chat, people who you know love you, who aren't, who aren't afraid to ask you hard questions. Um, I had a friend come and see me recently and, and thank me for a question I asked them. Now, again, being an external processor, I don't remember asking the question. Uh, they were struggling with an individual and I said to them, why does that matter so much to you? Why does what that person think of you matter so much? And it was a really helpful question for them because they began to answer that question. Well, why is that? And I think that's where self-awareness really, you really learn is when you start asking the why questions. So really you learn by asking questions. Some people like me will do that by, Jez, why do you think I do this? Because I'm an external processor. Some people will do that if they're an internal process through reading, through listening, through writing. So some people journal, I journal, not all the time, but I have journaled at different seasons of my life. And that's really a way of getting your questions out. You know, asking questions of yourself. This happened, I reacted like that. And I know that wasn't the best way to react. It might have been a really bad way to react. It might just not have been the best way to react. Why did I do that? So I think you learn, you learn and you learn by questioning. I have had to learn to listen. I, I've had to learn that listening is not just waiting for my turn to speak. I've, I've had to learn that. Because it's not my natural, yeah? mm. it's, it's not my natural inclination, it's not naturally how I process, but I recognise that I need to learn how to do it. And as you say, not excuse bad behaviour based on my personality. So it is not right to go, that's just how I am. Yeah. Well, you can't expect me to speak up, I'm an internal processor. Well, you can't expect me to think, I'm an external. You, you have to learn, no, actually, that might be how I'm naturally shaped, mm -hmm. but actually, I need to be quiet now. Mm -hmm. I need to reflect now. I then went on to ask Simon about personality profiling tests, Strength Finder, Myers-Briggs, the Enneagram. How valuable or harmful does he think those things are? His answer was really helpful. You'll have to, again, watch the video for the full answer. But it's essentially to say that they are useful tools. They're tools. They're not God. They're things that we've created. Therefore, we need to handle them as tools rather than as, say, horoscopes for our destiny. But he said, as churches or as organisations, it's most helpful when we perhaps just pick one and stay with it rather than picking on several different things and using them all and doing them all badly. This then prompted me to ask about the difference between our personality, how we are and it's fixed, and our identity, who God has made us to be and how we can learn about that. I thought his answer on that was superb. And your personality is not your identity, your personality is part of your identity. What we have to remember is that a personality test is a tool the mirror we have is the Word of God. And actually, the Word of God does reflect back to us who we are. Now, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of 
God, the, the word of God when we read it and when we read the standards that it sets for a, a man or a woman, it does humble us. It does make us realize, gosh, I fall short. I am a sinner. I fail more than I succeed. And if it left us there, if that was the only image it gave us, we'd be in trouble. We, just, we would all get depressed. But when you open the word, of course, what you have reflected out of every page is Jesus and who we are in Christ. So Ephesians remind us that we were dead in our sin, but in the same chapter reminds us we're seated in heavenly places. And so that's the mirror you want to reflect back. That's the awareness you want to get. Paul talks about having a sober judgment of yourself, which means, okay, gosh, yeah, I, I'm weak there. I'm strong there. But actually, I'm a sinner and a saint. Mm -hmm. My identity has been transformed. I'm no longer a sinner, I'm a saint. And my identity is being transformed. I am becoming more like Christ. And there will come a time when I'm fully like Christ. That's going to happen on the other side of death. And our personality will then be how we handle success and failure. And it's good to be aware of that because there are strengths and weaknesses in that. So separating out our personality and our identity is really key. And actually learning that we have a robust identity as loved sons and daughters of the King who are secure and accepted in his love means that we should be able to handle negative experiences and negative emotions without being crushed by them. We should be okay with experiences of failure without spiraling into an identity crisis that we are, quote, failures. But it's then that I went on to ask Simon about negative emotions in general. What are we supposed to do with them? Experiences like shame. And we discussed the example of Adam and Eve in scripture and how after their sin, they should have reacted differently. Negative emotions are meant to drive us to God and cause us to depend on his gracious mercy. Listen to how he put it. What they should have done was sit down in their nakedness and wait for God. Oh, oh it's nearly the call of the evening. God will be here soon. <laughs> Yeah? We need to sit down and wait. He needs to find us here. And when God says, why are you sitting down? We go, we mucked up. Mm. We got it wrong, Lord. We need sorting out. And their shame is meant to take them to that place. When you do something wrong, you're meant to feel bad. When I upset somebody, I should feel bad about that. I should feel that. Because that feeling should make me do something and the first thing it should do is it should take me to God so I can go, what do I do about this? You see, the major issue is the lie that we all believe that God isn't good and that we actually need to hide our nakedness or our shame or our guilt from him instead of humbly coming to him, the one who is rich in mercy. We need to learn to approach the throne of grace with expectation that we'll receive grace upon grace, mercy and help in our time of need. And for leaders who are so used to trying to be a means of grace for others, we need to ensure that we are also cultivating a lifestyle of our own that regularly, daily aims to receive grace, mercy and forgiveness from the one who so richly provides all that we need.
Well, that's it for our first Leadership Shorts podcast. I know I've mentioned it several times already, but do check out the videos on our website, www.newgroundchurches.org forward slash podcast or go to our YouTube channel for for the full content from my conversations with Simon. We're back in a fortnight's time with another long form episode. Until then, stay well and may the privilege of serving the people that God delights in, may it be a joy and a blessing to you. See you soon.